0: You need debt you need project financing you need ppa agreements you need all these other infrastructure that's available from financing so many ways to get creative there's a group of us trying to gather all of the things we're using now to scale for all climate companies the problem with climate companies is all these scientists figuring things out but they may not understand the finance portion very well so you have to bridge that gap and after spending the last two years digging through all these climate companies The final answer is not the science. The scientists have figured it all out. There's a solution for most every problem, just look for it. The problem is money. You can't scale anything good because it's hard for them to get it together.
1: Welcome to Smarter Markets, a weekly podcast featuring the icons and entrepreneurs of technology, commodities, and finance, ranting on the inadequacies of our systems and riffing on ideas for how to solve them. Together, we examine the questions Are we facing a crisis of information or a crisis of trust? And will building smarter markets be the antidote? This episode is brought to you in part by Base Carbon. It's time to get serious on carbon. Learn more at basecarbon.com.
2: Welcome back to Carbon Frontiers on Smarter Markets. I'm Dave Greeley, Chief Economist at AbEx Technologies. Our guest today is Yao Wang. Yao is an Investor and Board Director at Carbon Optimum. We'll be discussing her perspective on the different financing needs of carbon removal tech versus other tech startups, and her company's experience deploying new technology that uses algae to transform carbon emissions into food, feed, fuel, and fertilizer. Hello Yao, welcome to Smarter Markets. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here today. I'm really interested in learning more about some very interesting new carbon removal technology that you're developing and deploying at Carbon Optimum. But before we go there, I wanted to talk with you a little bit about your own journey from the world of tech startups into the world of carbon removals. And I find your perspective really interesting because for myself, I grew up more in the commodities markets and that end of the financial world. You've come into carbon removals from the world of tech startups. and. The structure of carbon removal projects and the way they're financed is in many ways more familiar to those who come to it from the natural resources side, like oil and gas or mining. And so I wanted to ask you a bit about you know, that experience of financing carbon removal projects and the perspective of coming at it from the tech side. For example, venture capital funding is ubiquitous in the tech industry, but oil and gas or mining require very different funding sources. And I wanted to get your perspective on what do you see as the differences and why are they important for those following in your footsteps and journeying from tech into carbon removals?
0: Great question. Although I came from tech, it's not what actually works here, as you've just indicated. Tech, I've been in it since the beginning and venture was the only way, it seems like, because oftentimes you don't really generate revenue right away. But with commodities, the minute it produces, you're ready to go. You don't even really have to sell it. They're just everyone wants to buy these things. The big difference is tech has the ability to go to product in months with probably six figures. The next round is usually probably seven figures. The Round after that's probably eight figures. And within five to seven years, you're within an exit window. That's not true for this stuff. And frankly, I mean, if it's generating, you just keep it running. And we did not use venture, it doesn't work in climate. You need debt, you need project financing, you need PPA agreements, you need all these other infrastructure that's available from financing. Also, you can get very creative these days, forward financing. We even have something where we're, we have a charitable arm that has foundations mm-hmm. that are interested in climate to participate, because usually foundations can only give to other 501c3s. So. Many ways to get creative, there's a group of us trying to gather all of the things we're using now to scale for all climate companies. The problem with climate companies is all these scientists figuring things out, but they may not understand the finance portion very well. So you have to bridge that gap. And after spending the last two years digging through all these climate companies, the final answer is not the science. The scientists have figured it all out. There's a solution for most every problem. Just look for it. The problem is money. You can't scale anything good because it's hard for them to get get it together.
2: And it's so good that you're finding ways to help bridge that gap for others, because I see this time and again where often the scientists don't understand the financing, the financiers don't understand the science, and trying to get the two to be able to work together so you can get real solutions and get them deployed and scaled seems to be our big challenge at this point. I'm curious, could you tell me a little bit about this initiative to help bridge that gap and get some of these tools uh, for others to use?
0: We haven't launched yet, but we're just putting all the resources together. So whatever we're using for one could be replicated for another.
2: Oh, that's great.
0: Without having to take all the meetings, we're going to create a marketplace.
2: Oh, cool. Well, I'd love to hear more about that in the future. Next time. (laughs) Absolutely. I wanted to ask you another question. You know, you, you talked about, I guess, how with venture, you know, you can be getting the money back in five, seven years, or it requires getting the money back in five to seven years. And of course, oil and gas or mining, carbon removal takes much longer timelines, much longer developments. But the other issue we have is that climate action also has a very fast approaching deadline. So I was curious, like, how do you reconcile those timelines of we need to move quickly, but the nature of the beast in terms of the investment is it, it, it's a lot of investment up front and a long time for it to pay off. How do you think about maybe accelerating that?
0: I can tell you what we're doing with this. I think it's on a case by case basis for every project, but science takes I mean, I come from healthcare, it takes like decades, sometimes 20 years just to get a drug ready to go. But anything that has science involved will probably take up to closer to 10 years to prove it out, to tweak it out. It's not like you just type some code in. Oh, this works. Let's mm-hmm. go. And maybe it's broken. Maybe it's not, but let's just go anyway. you Can't do that with science. And along the way, you have to fund these projects. There's people that scientists, PhDs, that need to get paid. There's infrastructure, even smaller pilot projects that need to be, be put up when you may not make money, right? So oftentimes they're supported by grants. Sometimes you can get loans. If you're really lucky, you have Agreements ahead of time for offtake, but it's it's hard. But again, case by case, depending on the approach. For carbon optimum, they already put all that time in. So yes, we have a deadline. 2030 is a real real deadline. And I found these guys in the two years I was looking for projects and deals that were ready to go, commercialized, ready to go. Required the companies to have put that time in ahead of time. And you know what? There's a lot of companies like that out there. Again, look for them. Someone probably should filter them. I've gone through so many. Unfortunately, there's a lot of them stuck in R&D. A lot of them stuck in academia. And you know, it took me two years though. I found this guy. It's great.
2: That's great. And I want to dive into there, but got to ask you two questions first. Just two things that are a little bit more timely, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on them quickly. One is the role of government in that basic R&D and helping folks like Carbon Optimum prove out and developing some of those existing technologies that you know like you said in healthcare and science it often takes 10 years or more do you see the the inflation reduction act and the money the government's putting into climate action and clean tech do you see that playing a role and starting to to have an impact and how people are thinking about these
0: major role all companies around the world are coming to us that's a major movement it makes some other regions not worthwhile because so much money is out there from IRA. And literally eight, nine figures worth, depending on the projects you have going on, from batteries to biofuels, everything.
2: then the one other recent thing I wanted to ask you about is, you know, there's been a lot of discussion recently with the failure of Silicon Valley Bank, and people saying that it played a very important role in supporting some of the developing climate tech I'm curious if you've had any experience with the role they played or how their failure may change the funding environment for climate tech companies.
0: Uh, that was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't have to happen, actually. That was a man-made problem. There were, I believe, 1,500 climate companies in that batch. 200. And frankly, if the federal government is going to release the deposits, they're okay. There's other places to borrow. They were not a venture capital firm. They were just a bank giving out loans against the raise. There's other organizations that can do that. They're not the only ones. So they're, I think they're fine as long as they can get their deposits back. If that's wiped out, then we have another story.
2: Yeah. So I guess it's a, it's a good thing for those companies that those deposits look like they're, they've been freed up. So that'll, yeah. that'll be a good thing. Yep. Okay. So thank you for indulging me with some of your experience and how to fund these. And I ask because I think it's very important, as you said. You know, it's, it's not just understanding the science, it's getting the dollars in to get these things deployable and helping. But I want to move on to the carbon frontier. You're on the board of Carbon Optimum, which is developing and deploying new tech for carbon removals and the climate. My understanding is that this tech captures carbon dioxide emissions at their source. You know, it could be a power plant, a refinery, a factory. Using algae. So it's kind of got a nature based component to it as well. So, can you just talk us through this tech and this process and how it all works? It's actually
0: geniusly simple. It's exactly the way nature does it. And so, we're just piping the CO2 portion from all these emissions into large vats of algae. They're fo- called photobioreactors. They look like large corn silos and standard farming equipment, nothing you don't have to there's no supply chain problem they're usually locally in the midwest and algae eats co2 and it's gone that's it <laughs> <laughs> the thing that took a long time is how to efficiently do that how to grow it fast at scale that's been a challenge for a lot of a lot of groups but this whole thing is a closed system just feeding algae you can even feed it sewage water it'll clean that too because it has components that it needs And the byproducts are also useful because essentially large flats of algae is just biomass. You can turn that to many different things. And this is not dependent on weather. You can grow it vertically in lots of places. It's agnostic. And uh, frankly, it's it's genius.
2: You make it sound so simple, but I imagine it it was a lot of work to kind of get it to the point where it's deployable. Was there any interesting tricks or breakthroughs that let it be deployable you said you looked through lots of companies before you settled on carbon optimum i'm curious what drew you to them
0: leadership ceos humble open-minded relaxed which is not what i saw and maybe because he's also european but it wasn't what i saw in a lot of the other earlier stage companies i think good leadership leads to consistency and stability also it was ready They already put the time in to get it there, tweaking the different strains of algae, figuring out how to go from three grams per liter up to 66 grams is a lot. That's the volume you need in order to make biofuels, which is a hot area right now in the U.S. and most of transportation. It's sustainable aviation fuel, it's biofuel mix. They were just ready.
2: Going back to your point about needing to bridge the gap to financing, when you saw them and said, okay, the the science is ready. It's, it's ready to be deployed, what were you thinking, okay, this is what I can do to help this company really take it to the next level?
0: It's packaging it all together, finding different sources, different relationships. Again, I say venture capital is not the way to go for this kind of scale. It just doesn't have enough capital. And the terms don't work with the timeframe that's needed. We're looking at decades, right? It's not going to take years. It needs more patience putting things up, even just installing infrastructure takes time. So this science and this problem, this is a huge problem, global problem, needs a little bit patience, but the capital to be able to speed this up. The beauty of this particular project is that the installations go really fast. So you can get these stood up really fast and producing, and frankly, not that expensive considering the problem.
2: So what kind of financing structure or funding structure did you look to put together for them?
0: This was not that complicated. It was mostly debt, right? So it's, and we put it together, a very interesting note structure that returns a 300% ROI tax-free with tax credits, all baked in. So putting components together so that makes sense for people who want to get involved to be able to be really excited about it, whether you believe in climate or not.
2: Yeah, and what was like the sources of the revenues to put against those bonds? Like were companies... Are companies going to pay for the service as part of their own net zero ambitions? Is it looking at you know potentially selling carbon credits down the road? Yeah. What's what's the revenue streams?
0: It makes a lot of very sexy commodities that everyone wants right now. So mm. first off, carbon credits. There's more demand than there's supply. At full capacity, so this facility is in Kansas, about 5,000 acres. We've got 400,000 of these photobioreactors or these large silos up. And that can take up 84 million tons at full capacity. That's 17 times larger than the largest facility in the world. It's going to be amazing how much CO2, and it's still not enough. We need to get to a gigaton. And this is modular. We just got to put up more. We need to put up millions of these. So CO2, a lot of the food, cosmetics, nutraceutical industry needs needs volumes, they need more of these, these algae, and they're very valuable. So we have contracts and LOIs for that as well, that allows to get financing together if you have these offtakes already. Fertilizer is in dire need right now because of the Ukraine war, Russia being one of the big exporters of fertilizer. There are countries that need it desperately for their farming and their agriculture. This produces it literally every day. Oil, who doesn't want oil, right? This is carbon-negative crude oil and can be made as a SAF as well. So lots of demand, major U.S. uh, interests around there, and it's lots of this. It makes animal feed. There's so much stuff you can make from algae. Nature provides quite a bit, and it's been doing it this whole time, just not in this concentrated volume.
2: Right. And it's really, I find it really fascinating because it looks like what you're moving to do is it's really monetizing the idea of a circular economy. Yes. where you're producing out of the emissions that I imagine are coming in part from fossil fuel use producing the algae that then produces fossil fuels so we don't have to be extracting it from the ground or fossil fuel substitutes whether it's a you know a, a biofuel that you're creating out of the algae whether it's fertilizer that otherwise yeah. would be created from natural gas and being able to use that revenue to help pay for it i'm curious can you tell me a little bit more about this facility in kansas what what emissions is it feeding off of, I guess, for lack well, of a better word? Almost
0: anywhere. If there's electricity anywhere, there's a power plant. And okay. most power plants are powered by coal. This facility is also turning on a hydrogen plant. Hydrogen, when you burn it, it's really nice. It turns into water. But to make hydrogen, you produce CO2. So we'll take that. This is the first carbon-neutral industrial park in the country. Mm. And it's carbon optimum that makes it neutral. It's interesting to talk about circular because there's a country we're working with right now running on generators. So you put fuel into the generator and that's electricity for the, for the island, right? So we can take the CO2 emissions from the generators into our photobioreactors to produce oil for the generators. And it's, it would be carbon negative. Very interesting. And there's regulations in some parts of the world where these coal plants, these pollutant plants will have to shut down. That's going to be disastrous if they don't have a solution because that means electricity is going to go away or prices are going to go up for what it's coming up to. There needs to be some transition into renewables. We can't just shut everything off right away. And so the way around that is to make it neutral. Just remove the CO2 portion. You can still keep the coal plants open. In fact, actually the steel plants, if you take the CO2 away, you've got green steel, which I actually think they charge a lot more for it, It'd be more profitable. They do the right thing.
2: Right. And often when people think of you know methods to capture CO2, whether it's direct air capture or more from a point source, you know, think of it being like a very heavy technological answer, you know, like machinery, as opposed to algae, which feels more nature-based. And I'm curious, you know, also the, a lot of the other more, you know, industrial, perhaps it's the right word, processes have very high price points right now. Mm-hmm. Like, where is your price point relative to some of those in terms of being able to capture CO2?
0: So direct air capture, super expensive, right? It's all man-made. It's funny because nature has been so elegant this whole time. Looking towards it as a solution just seems smart. Right now, we're able to throw up each of these photobioreactors for about $400,000. So it's not that bad. In fact, anyone can get in on that. For Most people have that much. And because it's circular and it's, we have commodities that generate revenue from it, it can actually be sustainable and quite inexpensive. We can go for pricing if folks are interested, more one-on-one. But also, I I think eventually we're gonna need direct, direct air capture, but so it's kind of like filling water into a bucket with a hole in it. You're still spewing. So until you go neutral, whatever you're taking out is so minuscule, it doesn't even matter for all the money you're putting into it.
2: Right. And for so many of these things, we know where the sources are. And some of the sources are are mobile and hard, like it's hard to do it on a car. But, you know, we know where the power plants are. We know where the refineries are. We know where the steel and cement factories are. So if you can capture it at the source, why not? I've got to ask you, though, I imagine one of the hurdles is skepticism and, you know, having to convince an industrial park or a local government or businesses that this will work and it's worth the investment. How do you go about getting the, the first couple users on board?
0: Actually, the science speaks for itself. So if they're interested, which generally people are, then we, we break down the whole science. It goes into a diligence process. And honestly, those in climate and those in oil and gas understand this the best. They're very deep into the science of, and for oil and gas people, how oil is made. And by the way, algae has been around forever. Research and algae decades and actually algae into oil Exxon's doing it. This is not a new concept. So most who understand this don't have to explain it that much. And the science, the patents, the trade secrets of this is how do you do that so fast and so much?
2: So how do you do it so fast and so much? Because that's, I mean, it's always a thing, like interesting technologies often work in the lab, but getting them out in the field at scale is where many of them fall down. How do you accelerate it? Is it the modular nature or is it more than it's that?
0: It's the science. <laughs> Coca-Cola doesn't give you its straight secret. Uh, so yeah, but pilot plans have already been up. This has already been tested. Scientists have already been, that's what, all those years were meant for this wasn't invented overnight of all that tinkering time eight years and tens of millions of dollars to get to this point of okay now we're ready to scale.
2: and i was curious why kansas
0: they gave us an amazing incentive package there's lots of land and they were just easy to work with you know you don't have to i think in business sometimes it's better not to fight so hard go with people who really want to play together you know and this creates a ton of jobs. They're gonna love this.
2: Yeah. Is that what encouraged the the government there? Is it the state government that you would work with or?
0: Well, this industrial park was planned and been in motion for a decade mm. anyway. They were looking for folks to come in. And they are very progressive in their thinking of creating one that where one tenant, like a hydrogen plant, can produce the CO2 that feeds into a carbon optimum situation that then produces crude oil that goes into the refinery and becomes circular. They had that vision of all the components working together, becoming neutral. So that was their idea. And the state had uh, supported this whole initiative with incentive programs up and down the list. And they're honestly super easy to work with. You send them an email about something they send something back. That, it takes that kind of cadence to move things forward.
2: Right. And so you, you need the, the partnership with the, the customers, the partnership with the, the local governments. I'm curious, I want to get back a little bit to the, the circular production aspect of it. Sure. Because there's also, like, there's the technology to capture the CO2 with the algae. And then I imagine there's a lot of related technologies for taking the algae and turning it into fuel, turning it into animal feed, turning it into fertilizer. Mm-hmm. I, my guess is they weren't all developed in-house at Carbon Optimum, but some of them have been around a while. Like, How important are partnerships with the companies who can then you know, help take the algae that's grown off the CO2 emissions and turn it back into useful product?
0: So that's been around the whole time. That's the, they're vendors. You know, they're happy to do it. So for fertilizer, that's really easy. You take it out of the tank, you dry it, and you ship it out. Super easy. Things more complicated are things that go inside the human body. So food, nutraceutical, cosmetic products, they all need components like omega-3. Algae, for the most part, is made of lipid, carbohydrates, and proteins. So you need to take out the components that you need. And that is more chemistry that goes into the lab. For oil refinery, we don't do any refining ourselves. We provide crude, just like most countries, dig it out of the ground and ship it out. And then there's refineries already. We don't need to do any of that. We just someone's going to buy it from us. We're farmers, right? We're raw (laughs) material providers. Someone else will make it into what they need. In fact, there are food companies will take algae and turn it to the food that you're going to want to eat.
2: That's pretty amazing. Yeah. And then thinking about all these, like how developed is the customer base for those products? So you're the farmer. (laughs) How developed is being able to sell the algae to oil, to fertilizer, to animal feed, to human food. Mm. Is it difficult to find those customers or is? No,
0: no. You just have to stand in a room and say a word and they'll all come. Basically, you're talking about some of the world's largest companies, right? So Cargill, for example, owns lots of cows and farms. You give them animal feed and it's methane reducing animal feed. They would stop burping and farting and You stop methane production. And actually, if you stop methane in 10 years, the heating of the planet stops. Methane is more important than CO2. Oil and gas, uh, Exxon, BP, Shell, so many, right? And most of these commodities are sold on exchanges. You don't have to knock on every single door. And fertilizer in a market where there isn't enough, right? So, in most markets we're going into, there's more demand than supply. Hmm. And oftentimes we can sell it for less
2: great and it sounds like you know with a number of strong revenue streams how important is the the carbon credit piece at this point in terms of making the whole operation profitable or you know do you think that the other revenue streams even now or maybe over time will be enough to to motivate people to want to use this
0: people there's a whole list of folks who want to use this we actually don't have time to get get back to everybody but CO2 removal by itself is not profitable. Most businesses cannot rely just on that. In fact, even direct air capture needs the government credits and IRS incentives in order to make it work. And the carbon credits are important early on because it's one of the first easiest dollars in. And so most of this is cash flow, timing of the cash, not just the volume of cash. And so in order for this to be sustainable, for us to be profitable, It requires the commodity sales which there would be plenty and it does not take much effort to stand up a silo one of these big containers
2: yeah and it brings me back to you said like this project was initially funded predominantly with debt and i know like in many other commodity markets often lenders or bondholders tend to be a little uh conservative about taking on commodity price risk. I was curious what your experience was with that. Often in oil and gas or mining, the bankers will want you to you know, hedge out some of that price risk, and then they feel more comfortable supplying the debt to finance the operation. What's the state of that? Because I imagine many of the things you're selling might not be good markets to lay off the risk in. I guess you could hedge the fertilizer, things like that. but.
0: Don't have What's to? been your experience so on that side? We didn't have to. The folks we work with, they've been really good. But honestly, we can sell things below market sometimes and still be profitable. The thing that we have that others don't is this is a almost unlimited resource. We just empty the tanks and there you go. I'm not waiting to grow a cornfield. I'm not waiting for the sun to come or, oh no, a tornado came and took out all my corn. Right? or a flooding came and now my, my crops are gone, or I have to wait six months for something to grow to then harvest it and then wait. There's none of that. This thing grows every day, 24 hours. I empty it. I em- grow it again. I empty it. It's, I want more. I put up another silo. It's a very different situation.
2: Right. And in terms of you know, putting up more silos, what's the plan for scaling this technology and what sort of size do you think it's growing to over the next whatever time frame? Uh, You're thinking about five, 10 years.
0: So our goal as a company is to go carbon neutral for for the world, if we can help everyone out. And so there's requests from different countries also wanting to install these for many reasons. We're going to need over 140 million of these up for total carbon neutrality. That's a lot. It's possible. It's possible. It's about the size of Rhode Island's worth of land (laughs) scattered all over. But there's here an actual solution that also does good, has more than one benefit. And it's just going to be capital. Because if it was about making revenue and making money, that's easy. You know, a couple of silos and we're good to go. Right. But to solve the problem that we have country by country, region by region, even if we can get to half by 2030, it's a long way. And I I think it's possible.
2: So I imagine your focus is on scaling this so that it makes that yep. difference that, you're, that you want. But I also wanted to ask, is there any uh, new applications of the technology or something else that you're thinking about as well? What's next for Carbon Optimum?
0: I mean, we just started growing this. Uh, <laughs> afterwards, I guess you want to look at different strains of algae. So if we can make lots of algae in mass, if we can produce lots of raw materials for different industries. Right, agriculture being one, food another, energy another, healthcare is another topic. Researchers have already discovered algae, some strains of algae, to cure cancer. So if someone figures that out, then but then they need lots of this. We can we can grow that out.
2: Oh, that's interesting. So when you you know when we talked about the different products, is it different strains of algae for different products? Yes. So one strain for fertilizer, Thousands one of for of
0: strains of algae. Mother nature is brilliant. Humans just have to figure out what does what.
2: Part of that 8, 10 years of figuring things out was figuring out the right strain for the right product.
0: Uh, the basic ones are easy, right? But like curing cancer, some scientist figures that out.
2: Yeah. You know,
0: and we could spend more time on that. Once that's a lot of world saving checklist items you're giving me there.
2: Yeah, that's quite a few. Well, you added that one. I didn't ask you to cure cancer. You put that out there yourself. We're not, we're not. We're farmers. (laughs) Well, I love that. I love carbon farming. That's fantastic. So I really, it's it's a a fascinating technology. Can't wait to see more of it deployed. Can't wait to see the success of your operation in Kansas. Is that up and running now? Is that right? Uh, Next few months. Next few months. All right. So this summer make hay while the sun shines. So thank you for walking us through that. Before you go, I did want to ask you one more question. Now that you've been through this journey, what advice or lessons for other, you know, people say coming more from the tech side, uh, entrepreneurs who are developing, deploying and scaling new carbon removal technology, what advice and lessons from your experience would you share with them?
0: We're going to put something together to help, but also usually early on, and this is even in tech, but in climate, there's a lot of scientists, right? In tech, there's a lot of engineers. They're the ones who are tinkering and figuring things out. You need a partner, more than one partner who understands how to get capital and bringing them on early to figure it out so they can be alongside, if not as an advisor, as a partner. I think that's the, that's the way to go. You need a team effort.
2: The team effort's always important.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: And good people. That's great. And if for someone who's looking for, you know, those right partners and the right team, how do you go about it? Because sometimes that's the hardest thing. You know, it's easier to judge a <laughs> technology or a project than to judge a person sometimes. So uh, what do you look for?
0: A lack of hubris. Good, good quality. It's the same thing you'd find in a partner, a life partner, a business partner. Because in the end, it's about trust. You don't want someone backstabbing you along the way, right? So human character, being able to judge that. Uh, if you haven't figured it out, get some, send them to a therapist to figure it out. I guess you need some help. To if you haven't in life figured out who to hang around with, who are good people, who are going to be with you along the way, uh, that's a problem. But that's you know your spidey sense. It's uh, you know I've suffered a lot, I've been through a lot, built a lot of companies along the way. So reading people's a component, asking others to be a gut check is another. But really, spend time getting to know people is key.
2: Thanks again to Yao Wang, investor and board director at Carbon Optimum. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Join us next week as we continue to explore the carbon frontier on smarter markets. We hope you'll join us.
1: This episode is brought to you in part by Base Carbon. The trading of carbon credits can help companies and the world meet ambitious goals for reducing greenhouse gas emissions. But how do we judge the quality of these projects And how can we ensure that our investments are creating real value? At Base Carbon, we're focused on financing and facilitating the transition to net zero through trusted and transparent partners. It's time to focus on what's important. It's time to get serious on carbon. Learn more at basecarbon.com. That concludes this week's episode of Smarter Markets by ABAX. For episode transcripts and additional episode information, including research, editorial, and video content, please visit smartermarkets.media. Please help more people discover the podcast by leaving a review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. Smarter Markets is presented for informational and entertainment purposes only. The information presented on Smarter Markets should not be construed as investment advice. Always consult a licensed investment professional before making investment decisions. The views and opinions expressed on Smarter Markets are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the show's hosts or producer. Smarter Markets, its hosts, guests, employees, and producer, Abax Technologies, shall not be held liable for losses resulting from investment decisions based on informational viewpoints presented on Smarter Markets. Thank you for listening, and please join us again next week.